and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, we have a very inspirational lady for you, Corin Maticaitis. Corin helps overachievers become the leaders of their lives. She is a mother, a wife, a family member, a friend, entrepreneur, and community builder. Never a dull moment in this rich, full life. Her radio show and podcast, How She Really Does It, where she invites guests to share the unique success stories and encourages her listeners to embrace their inner leaders. She has hosted the show for nearly 12 years and built an archive of 600 plus episodes, including interviews with Brene Brown, Daniel Pink and Danielle Laporte. Corin is a Daring Way facilitator and master certified life and weight loss coach, personally trained by Dr. Martha Beck. In her 10 years as a coach, she has helped hundreds of people release the shoulds and have tos and build the lives they truly want to live. Early on, she was confident that higher education would be her ticket to success. So not only did she earn a BA from one of the top universities in the country, she also pursued and completed her master's degree from the University of San Francisco. Swimming is part of her soul and has won national championships. Practicing and competing helped her learn about herself, practice courage and explore how to fail and persevere. Nowadays, she uses her passion for the pool to coach their local swim team, the Aqua Monsters. Her radio show and coaching practice both focus on redefining success, reframing failure and realigning your inner compass. Corinne believes that when we truly listen to others, we can see what is possible within ourselves. When people step up to share their honest backstage truth behind their success, the doors of possibilities opens for all of us. So now it's time to tune into this wholeheartedly daring woman of inspiration. Enjoy. Well, today I am super, super excited. We have Corinne Morakaitis, who is actually one of my favorite podcast, po- po- can't even talk today, podcasters. Um, her podcast is How She Really Does It. And she's here with us today, all the way from California. So welcome to I Am Woman Project. Catherine, thank you so much for inviting me. So I was just actually saying to Corinne that I love her accent. She probably thinks I've got an accent, but um, but also her tone of voice. And we were just having a bit of a conversation, which I thought would be probably a good way to start, is she actually 
uh, hosted a dinner party for a group of women, which I thought was amazing, especially when she actually explained she only learned how to cook in about 2013. Yes. 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 Belonging and connection is really important. So my listeners, I think, know that about me with my show is that I really want a place to belong and connect with people. And I know so many fantastic people and we're, we're busy and, you know, trying to get together. And so it's something that I've thought about. And a guest of mine, Karen Walrand, when I were talking about it one day and she said, Corinne, it's really easy. You can hire a caterer and so on. Well, it, I think it took me about 15 or 18 months to actually do it. It was in the back of my head. And I was like, do it. And if I don't have a deadline, I don't get it done. And so finally, about a month ago, I said, hey, I want to do this. And instead of thinking that I would do it with my husband and we would do couples, because I thought, we know so many fantastic people. Let's connect them. This could be fun, right, where we can get around and have really good conversations, because that's what I really like. I do not like small talk. And ditched my husband because his schedule's crazy. And I decided, who are women that I want to engage with? who I think are amazing women who are powerful and strong and fierce in their lives and actually out there making the world a better place in their way. I think sometimes, Catherine, that a lot of people think, oh, you can only be doing amazing work. Like, you know, if you're a podcaster like you or I, or, you know, if you're really famous, but these women don't have podcasts um, and they're doing important work in their lives. And so I invited them and they showed up and they were extremely brave because I sent them an invitation. They didn't know what this was. They didn't Mm. know who else was coming, right? I just said, there's you and a group of, I named, I numbered how many people. So four women came. So they didn't know um, outside of knowing me. I mean, we all knew each other and, you know, had done like maybe coffees or something, but, and had conversations, but they didn't know what it was. And so it was really fantastic because I thought they were really brave. And then on the cooking side, like I was brave because part of me was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And I really thought about hiring a caterer and I kind of tried that route. And um, just because of time and stuff, I kept just saying, Corinne, keep it simple, even with the invitations. Because Catherine, I wanted to, I can make things really hard and complicated. I'm really good at that. And, and I think that's my way of self-sabotaging and getting in my way. And so I wanted to do these like invitations where they would get in the mail and they were really beautiful, but that's like not my strength. I have to find somebody to do that for me. And it kept delaying and delaying. And finally I'm like, Corinne, just ship it. You know, Seth Godin says, just ship Mm -hmm. it. So instead of using like Evite, I use, I found some other thing that had pretty, something pretty and it was called punchbowl.com, I believe. I sent down the invitations via the internet right? It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I said, okay, in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter, but I do need to invite people and have them save this date if this is something they want to do, right? So mm. I simplified it and I did that. And then it was the whole idea about the food. And my daughter was great because she has no cooking fears like I do. She's 17 and she's like, you know, mom, one of my friends said, you, I could cater it. My daughter goes, why don't you just get to your favorite restaurant and just order takeout and bring it home? Cause there's only five of us. Um, and then finally, I just said, you know what, screw it. I'll just make a dish. And and uh, I wound up running a test run with my family on Tuesday night and made it on Thursday again for the dinner party. And so it was it was fantastic. But Catherine, I have to say, and I never got a chance to like post this on Facebook. I thought about it. I was like, oh, my gosh, all that like 
vulnerability and anxiety I used to have as an athlete before I got up on the blocks. That's what I was feeling before mm-hmm. they all came over, right? And and it was just because I wanted I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if the food was going to turn out. This is not my area of expertise. And I was laughing because again, if it's me hosting my show or if it's me running a swim meet with 500 people, that's no big deal. Like I got that. I don't have any anxiety. I know there's going to be problems and I can totally move through it. And for the dinner party, I was like, wow, I'm a grown up. Right? I'm 45 years old, but I'm finally a grown up because I'm hosting a dinner party. And I was totally honest. Like I told them I would have the food and I had some beer and I think I had some wine in my pantry. And I go, but honestly, like that is not my area. That's like too much brain juice for me to even understand. So if there's something particular you'd like to drink, please bring it. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my guests just loved, I can't remember the line I wrote in the email, but she just loved that. She's like, because I just owned my strengths and I owned my, you know, what I wasn't good at when, and the alcohol was like way too much because for me, it was about connecting with these women. And then the food was kind of secondary and the alcohol just, I didn't even have it on my bandwidth. I love that. I love the fact that the theme was just connection and it would have added, like I'm thinking if I was at the other side of that, that's quite mysterious for me. Like, especially if I've not come to your place before and you've invited me for dinner, I'd be curious. Yeah, they they were all really curious. And it was fun because we're sitting around the table as the doorbell kept ringing and everybody was like really excited because like, who's the next person that's coming? Yeah. You know, and then some of them knew each other and some of them didn't. And then to see the connection that happened over the course of the night and the, the values, it was like I just I was so proud of myself afterwards. And this is something that I think could be really important to your listeners, right? Because as women, we tend to beat ourselves up. We tend to mm. say we're not enough, right? We just whatever we do is never enough. And that is a lot of the work that I do is about being enough and really owning the fact that I was proud of myself, you know, mm. and it wasn't coming from this place of approval whoring. It was like, wow, I was brave. Here's something I wanted to do. And I could beat myself up and say, seriously, Corinne, why didn't you get this done sooner? You made it so much more difficult, right? Mm. Yeah. But that wasn't necessary. Instead, it was like, wow, look what I did. I was brave on so many levels. They were brave too. Mm. And look what happened. We had this beautiful connection yeah. together. So I I really invite your listeners to consider that of stop beating yourself up and really own when you are proud and let it let yourself be proud. Mm. And and the flip side of that as well, as if, you know, for example, if I wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a spectacular cook, but, you know, I'll just, you know, for me, it's about, look, I don't know what the, like, I love the authenticity part. It's like, I don't know what the food's going to look like or Mm -hmm. or taste like, but I'm going to do my best. But it's not about the food. It's about the connection. So you kind of take away that pressure of it. The food has to be perfect. Yes. Well, I I worry about poisoning them. (laughs) (laughs) that's a bit different so Corinne for our listeners um, who actually want to understand a little bit more about you let's unpack your story tell us your story and how you got to where you got to oh my story Um, so what people really know about me is that swimming is is my love Uh, and really, again, it goes back to belonging and connection. And I was a shy little girl who did not feel she really belonged, you know, really had a place to belong and had my own pains and traumas. Um, swimming was, I would say my lifesaver. And that's why I talk about it so much. It's been a huge metaphor for me and, and the way that I can teach through. And one of the things that has become really important to me is a per, as a person who, 
did not believe she could belong and at some point lost her own confidence in herself and her own belief in herself was I became very impassioned at the age of like 21, 20 actually, to help people get out of their own way. And it started with coaching swimming in the pool and then eventually led to becoming a life coach and actually led to creating my show, How She Really Does It, and then becoming a life coach because the the mental mindset is the thing that fascinates me. And really when I started my show, it was about, you know, how come for some people they're able to achieve this and how come some people aren't? And what the answer I found was the mindset. So that's why I do what I do now because that was my hell and back and how I've had to figure it out. And I really like helping people take the knowledge that we have out there in the world, whether through books, through courses, through whatever, and actually integrate it and live it in their life. So it's not just top heavy. It's just not something we talk about, but it's something that we are, that we be. Mm. And you, there's a couple of words that you actually mentioned, belonging, authenticity, and mm-hmm. um, being enough. I mean, when mm-hmm. is being enough enough? And that's that this is being enough. When we're talking about enough, um, let's unpack that one a little bit more. So yeah, the enough thing is interesting, right? Because we all have these stories of I'm not pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough. I may not have enough listeners. I may not have enough money. Like what is enough? I mean, it's that whole, it's that measuring stick that we have. And mm. it can be the same thing as like, what a success. Like, and I ask that question a lot. It's about us defining it. And instead of be beating ourselves up, which we're all so good to, at doing with the intent that that's going to drive us, mm. it does for maybe a little bit, it's not sustainable. So you thinking about like, okay, I am enough right now because we are, we, we are here. We won the uh, the lottery and being born, right? And we mm-hmm. survived and we're here. So instead of indulging them, the stories of I'm not enough, be enough right now. Does that mean that we've mastered everything or that we don't need to learn? Absolutely not. Because we're always here to learn and grow as we continue to evolve to the next best version of ourself. But really believing I'm enough right now instead of indulging in that drama of, oh, I'm not enough, you know, I'm I'm not skinny enough. I don't make enough money. Like what is enough? And if you and if there's a gap between how much money you want to make and how much money you're making, instead of beating yourself up that it's not enough, come from it from a place of curiosity and go, okay, there's a gap. Why is there a gap? What are things that I can do from this gap with this gap to reduce it? Mm. So there's a couple of things there. So obviously from an acceptance point of view, um, you're saying that right now, let's just accept that you are enough regardless of what's going on in your life. And if you uh, there is resistance to you being enough, therefore you're actually looking at what is that gap. So for example, um, you talked about money. So if mm-hmm. I feel that um, I'm not earning enough money, what is enough? And actually be very specific about writing that down. So then you can actually see where you are today to where you want to be to be able to bridge the gap. Is that correct? Yes. Well, because we're not specific, like, right, we have these stories. But when I especially when I work with my clients, I'll go, okay, well, what is enough? When especially when it comes to money, like how much do you need? Mm. Right? How much do you want to have? And now it's about having clarity. It's like the same thing about like asking for what it is that you want. Mm. Why don't I never get what I want? Okay, well, what is it you want? Well, I don't know. You know, that would be like, I said this to a client this week. I go basically because she's dating. And um, I said, basically, 
what you're asking for is like if you were to walk into, and I thought this is fascinating that I'd use this as an example, but you walked into McDonald's and you had like six different things that you were saying that you wanted, but they all countered each other. Mm. I want burgers, but no, I want actually French fries, but no, I want this, right? And and they would be sitting there going, well, what is it you want? I want a date, but no, I want to be single, but I want to be in a committed relationship, but I want this. Get really clear on what is enough. The more clarity you have, then Mm -hmm. you can objectively look at, okay, am I heading in the direction of what I want? Mm. Am I not? So true. I find that it's, um, I'm, I'm going to, um, I like, I like the way you say, what is it that you want? And before we got on the show, we were talking about that. That's something that I think that I see quite often in women, especially women that have children that look after their children, a business like yourself, a family, mm-hmm. a house, and so forth. And when it comes to you, it's about what do you want? Well, I don't know, because your focus has been so external for such a long time that all of a sudden you actually lose yourself amongst all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. But then the other flip side to that is that I feel that sometimes people focus too much on what they want. So, you know, I want a better relationship. I want a bigger house. I want more money. And what that creates, it's, and that, that goes back to being enough, right? Accepting where you are right now, but being focused on so, so much on what they want could actually, uh, create this, I call it a vortex of just running around chasing your tail and not being that very thing that you want to be. Do you see that play out? When you see that, like where, because one of the things I say on my show is where are they, where are they rooted? So when it's that hamster wheel of I want, I want, I want, where do you, what state, feeling state are they in? Mm. I tend to see that when people are in that place, they're in a place of shame and scarcity, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. they're not in the place of I'm enough. It's like, and I used, to, I know this because I'm a recovering approval whore and I thought, oh, if I just make <laughs> more money. Or if I get my master's degree, or if I get this job, or once I get tenure, once I have this house, whatever it was, it would actually make me enough. And so when you're in that place of scarcity, when you're in that place of not enough, which is shame, Mm -hmm. that's why people pursue that versus when you're grounded in like, I'm enough, and then you go after what you want. It's not about proving to other people that you're enough, you're already enough. And then it's about, Ooh, well, what is it that I want to create? What is, what is it that I want to do? How do I want to spend this one precious life that I have? What are the connections that I, so like that dinner party was something that I wanted, but it was from a place of being grounded and I'm enough. If they, people say yes or no to it. And there was a no. So if they say yes or no to it, it doesn't mean that, I wasn't enough, which yep. can be a huge trigger. Oh, they said, no, see, I'm too much. They don't really like me. They think Corinne, oh gosh, right? Mm-hmm. That can be the story and that can't be allowed. So yeah. that's why it's important to take action of wanting from a place of enough. And it's very different energy when you come. So as you were speaking about it, the way that I was feeling is when you come from a place of I'm enough and then you go for what you want, there's, there's, um, it's, there's a calmness about it. But when there's, uh, when you go, uh, focus on what you want from a place of scarcity, there's anxiety and it doesn't feel very comfortable. So I think yes. that there's that level of resistance that automatically kind of is associated with, with that. And you know, funnily enough, I think we all go through that. We're always wanting more. Because you're, you're right, you're saying that, you know, I, I, you know, if I get my doctorate, 
well, I will be smart enough. And then you get mm-hmm. to that point. If I get my blah, 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 well, then I'll, you know, so it is one of those things we get trapped in. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. And and we're fed that, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the advertising world. That's commercials. Like you want to be happy by this car. You want to be fulfilled, go on this vacation, mm. you know, and really I think the important thing is to check in and go, okay, so we went on this vacation. Does that idea of it measure up to the reality of it or is there a gap? Yeah. Yeah. The other word I'd like to unpack a little bit is authenticity. That's a word that gets bantered around a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, it has a, a variety of meanings to it. So let's unpack authenticity. What does that mean to you? You being you. Mm. Just no, you know, taking off the armor, taking off all the pretense, you fully showing up. And it and it's it's risky, it's vulnerable. Mm. Because people I mean, if people go, Oh, that's Corinne, she has those opinions, don't like her, right? It's yeah. really it's easier to say like when you're an approval whore of like, Oh, see, I'm trying to please you, let me make you happy, let me please you, let me tell you what you want to hear, even if I don't believe it, but we're really we're lying about who we are. Yeah, it it may it's going to build a relationship that's based on lies, but authentic uh, being authentic is being who you are. Yeah, do you think we can always be truly who we are, or do you think? Because I think about me. So the work that I do, for example, I do a lot of corporate work, and mm-hmm. I I feel that what I do sometimes is I wear a different persona depending on my environment. So I'm not always being truly me, being authentic. Because if I was. Uh, probably I wouldn't uh, behave in certain ways depending on my environment. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Do I think we can always be – I? so what I've experienced and what the guests on my show has, they went through their own evolutions and their own versions of fame. The more and more they weren't willing to tolerate not being authentic. It was like, look, if I'm going to show up in my clogs and speak at your corporate event, that's just me versus being in stilettos. Right. Yep. Um, and, and so I think the, the older I get, the less I'm tolerant Mm. of trying to fit in. Uh, and the other side that becomes interesting is that I have evolved to being, like here's here's an example. I've been in the sport of swimming since I was eight. I can't figure out the math on that hmm. right now. But and I've been coaching since I was twenty, so that's twenty five years. And last weekend I was in San Diego and there was a swim meet. And before we left, I went around and I thanked the the person who was the meet director and the head meet official. I, and I said goodbye to some of my friends who were colleagues there who were coaches. And I did that and I really wanted to go out of my way to say thank you to the officials. And I may have done that in recent years, but I really, I was really deliberate. That's not something I used to do 10 or 15 years ago. Mm. But I, again, going back to this idea of belonging and connection. So it wasn't approval whoring of, oh, see how great I am. Mm. I'm thinking of you. It was that, wow, thank you so much for doing this work because I know it's gruesome. And look at the, look at this place that we can help create for these kids to grow and blossom, mm. right? And to challenge themselves. And so that's how I show up. So I think what happens is that it's a difference. It looks, it can look like approval whoring or some people like to call it people pleasing. 
Um, but it really wasn't because it was about, well, what are my, what are actually my values mm. and how do I want to show up? So I think what's happened, Catherine, is I've become nicer Yeah. <laughs> as I've become more authentic. Mm. I gotcha. Yeah. And I can see that play out. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I have to say that as I've uh, matured, <laughs> um, I'm in that same boat as well. You do. There's a level of a, a lot more patience, I think, as we get older. That's for sure. Mm. And, and I, you know, here's something else, though, because like, you know, I have to negotiate a lot of stuff. And so sometimes I can I can still I'm a recovering approval whore. It doesn't mean I don't ever do it. Right. Because that would be perfection. And let's face it, people like we're, we don't want to be perfect because that's the birthplace of shame. But I I will notice like if I'm in negotiating something, I could start to like go into that place of because this is very hardwired in me. Well, what is it that you want? Let me give you what you, what you want. And I always have to swing back. But wait, is that something I can deliver on? Mm, right. Yeah. And if it's not, then I'm selling myself out and I'm actually hurting the long term relationship. Because I'm just telling them what they want to hear versus will I really be able to deliver it and how will that affect like, I guess, you know, if we're talking about branding, like my own personal brand. Mm, absolutely. My own, my own reputation. I, I love approval whore. I think that's, um, I, I love that. That's, that's, that's your, that's, I think that's your little quote. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. So, Kareem, what were some of your radical shifts that um, occurred that changed your life for the better? Is there anything that really stands out for you? When I started to really understand how important the thoughts that you said were, like at first I thought it was inauthentic. I was like, really? You're just lying to yourself. You know, I think it was when I came across the work of Byron Katie, like, really? You just changed the thought? How does that work? But understanding that we get to really choose what noise that we listen to, what noise that we attach to in our brain mm. and to really, so that would be the first thing. And then I think the other thing that's become so that one, understanding my emotions, right. And I'm still learning. Mm. And then finally the, the ability to reflect and really check in and what is it that I think? And then having people that have, I really trust who are going to give me honest feedback, not necessarily the feedback that I want, right? Mm. Of, oh, you're fantastic, Corinne, you're wonderful, but really give me honest feedback. So I can check in with them, like, was I off, you know, and what can I learn? And so those, I think the mindset, the feelings and the ability to reflect and also have people to check in with mm. versus you know, like the Scott Scratton saying, because I used to spend so much time on the haters and Scott Scratton says, you know, don't try to win over the haters. You're not the jackass whisperer. Yeah. Love that. And I think when we're talking about reflect, I mean, that really helps you sort of check into what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And I think that ha is how you build your self-awareness. But because we live in this real fast-paced world, I don't think we do that enough. Oh, absolutely not. We don't. I mean, you know, think about it. We're not taught to think uh, and reflect and sit out and take time. We're taught to be really, really busy, mm. right? Because yeah. if you just, if you did more, then you'd be better because there's just not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough that you do. So just fill it. And I'm really good at filling time. Mm. Really good. Like I have to remind myself, Karen White Space, Karen White Space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And there was another word that you used, and I think that really resonated with me when you're talking about belonging, because belonging connection is the number one human need. And they're mm-hmm. these unconscious drivers we're not even aware of. And sometimes it's it's when we catch ourselves out, you know, why are we actually behaving this way? The underlying root cause of that is because we want to belong. So let's unpack that one a little bit more too. Oh, belonging. I spent my life trying to fit in. So I was, you know, it's interesting because if people look at me, they would never know this. I was able to hide this. Um, I'm half Asian. I'm half Korean and I'm half white. I call myself a mutt and that, I don't think that's derogatory, but like I'm just a lot of things beyond my 50% Korean. Um, and I grew up outside of San Francisco. So really diversity has always been a part of it. But between that and then there was alcoholism and a whole bunch of stuff in my family and, you know, lower social economics. I just believe I put it all together. I'm like, I'm a loser. There's something wrong with me. And I, whether it's me creating the stories or this was the reality, I always just believed I didn't belong anywhere. That was like, and so that's why swimming was so important because it gave me that sense of belonging. I could be with other people. Mm. And, and that's why like I'm constantly trying to cultivate, whether it's in my show and the community I have with how she really does it or with the aqua monsters, I'm very much about being inclusive and creating a sense of belonging for people to show up as they are. Right. Mm. And to really accept them for who they are and whatever their opinions may be, like where I can be fascinated. So this idea of belonging, because I spent like when you are an approval whore, Mm. you're hustling to fit in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep going. There's such a difference between fitting in and belonging. And I think about like I have two teenage daughters who I love dearly. They're like some of the most important people in my life. And it's the most difficult thing I'm doing right now in my life is uh, like kind of this final launch of my two teenage daughters. One's graduating from high school this year and the other one's a sophomore in high school. So they're 18 and 16. And they do really feel that they belong. <laughs> so I see like the not so best sides of them. And that was an interesting conversation we had last night because we had, uh, there was another mom who had a ch- her daughter is actually friends with my daughter. So they're the same age and we are just in the shit show of this, this period. And then another mom whose daughter, a couple moms whose daughters have been launched and they're in their twenties and reminding us of like, this is supposed to happen and it's not a reflection of you as a parent. Mm. And so one of, and the moms were like confused, like, what do you mean your daughter is like that? I see her not that way. But I think what happens when you talk about it, what's authenticity is it's the whole part of us that shows up, not just the part that's socially acceptable, but the part that's not socially acceptable, right? That's really authentic. And so speaking to, I'm sidetracking here, but speaking to like, you know, go, you go into corporations, we're not going to show that sides of ourselves, no, I- right? Nice. We're not in in business situations, but you know, like I, and I, I allude to some of it, but you know, I can go zero to a hundred with my kids. It's mm-hmm. not what I'm proud of, especially, you know, being a life coach and so on, but I can do that. Like we know our trigger points with each other. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think so in that family environment, there can be that sense of belonging. Like my kids know, no matter what, I love them and they belong and some days I just may not like them, Catherine. <laughs> but that's normal, Corinne. You know, it's it's when we have a look at the development phase. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's bound to happen. And I I share that in my classes sometimes. And when I have people in as part of my audience that are parents, they go, "Oh, is that what is that what's going on?" Um, and you know, it's quite normal. We all go through it. You know, when you think about. 
you know, from our imprinting phase right up to the age of seven, you know, everything that was, you know, around us in our environment and everything that our parents told us, we believed it was our reality. And then when you move into that modeling phase from the age of seven to 14, it's like, you know, now it's like you started to find your identity. Who am I? Mm-hmm. And this is where we start copying and mimicking and modeling other people, you know, whether it's a, someone we aspire to be, a friend. Uh, you know, it could even be a singer or a superstar, who that may be. And then, then from the age of 14, 21 is our rebellious years. And this is where we, you know, turn away from our family and say, you know what, enough now. I feel like all of these values have been imposed onto me. It's now mm-hmm. time to find myself. And this is where parents freak out. Really, you should let them go because the foundation of children, really, if, if it's been, if you, uh, you have the same values. You have mm-hmm. um, shared the same values. So when they go into that world, they'll connect with p- other people that have the same values. Because I went through it. I mean, my son's 24 now. He's wonderfully past mm-hmm. that. But we all go through it. And, and it's normal to, to go through those, those emotions, I think. Oh, it's, absolutely. It, it's so normal. And I so understand it intellectually. And when I remind myself, instead of indulging in like, oh, my bad mother, which is a crappy question, but when I can say, look, I am creating strong, powerful women, mm-hmm. right? Like our fa- that's what's actually happening. And what's happening is, is that I'm a strong, powerful woman. My daughter, who's 18, is a strong, powerful woman. And we are just clashing. And, and she was so darling because like if I ever ask her to do something around the house, it gets, she gets really grumpy. And then last night I was cleaning up after my little party and she was helping me. Oh, I'm like, holy moly. And she went above and beyond. And that was like really good insight for me because when I tell her, she hates it. Mm. Right. And when I wasn't telling her, she totally went up above and beyond. So I have to figure this one out. Mm. That's another one. I mean, I learned that with my son. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And there's all this Mm -hmm. research now. The brain actually retracts when you tell somebody what to do. But it's, it's more about when I started learning that myself, instead of telling him what to do, ask him. Or, you know, have those kind of conversations like, would you mind or would you be okay if you give me a hand? Only if you've got time. Uh, And he'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, rather than can you come here and clean this up? Very different kind of reaction. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, Corinne, throughout your journey, what has been some of the greatest lessons learned? Oh, the greatest lessons learned in what way? Just in life in general. What's, What's been one of those insightful moments, those aha moments that really changed your life, that's something that you can actually, uh, you know, pinpoint that, that, that turning point for you? So the growth mindset was huge, right, where we have this ability to learn and overcome. Um, that was a huge one. And then I would guess this whole idea of shame which is, again, the voice of I'm not enough and and how we try to armor ourselves up from it. You know, I I didn't want to ever be vulnerable. I wanted, I I just, I don't know if you can, I can swear on the show, but I either chose, when I was a young head coach at the college, um, I would tell my assistant's coach, look, I'm not nice. I'm the B word because I figured either I'm going to be the B word and be strong and powerful or be nice and be run over. Yeah. Instead of realizing there's a whole bunch of space in between where I can be compassionate and have strong boundaries. So compassion would be another one. And this idea of like, you're not weak because you want to walk through it with other people. Mm. Right. Or you need other people. I mean, going back to my dinner party, I had that idea 
and I, and I was like, oh, and I contacted a friend of mine and I just, I called her and I said, Hey, I need your help with something. And she's like, okay, what? She's a little like, what's, you know, what am I getting into? And I said, I want to have this dinner party and I'm totally freaked out about the food. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and cooking and cooking is totally easy for her. And I, and, and so she's like, okay, you know, and I didn't want her to help me like with the food necessarily, but just to help support me and walk through it. Mm-hmm. And so she had suggested a catering place that she's used. And then actually w- when I changed it, she helped me like, cause I said, well, how do I time the food to make sure it's warm? And how do I put it in the, I mean, seriously, these are the basic questions I was asking. And she goes, no, you put it in the oven for this amount of time afterwards and it'll keep warm, but it's not going to continue to cook the chicken. So it was great. And then the fact that I even set it up where I said, I'll probably call you this afternoon as I'm freaking out in the kitchen, right? She mm-hmm. goes, absolutely. I'm here. And then I did it. And she came to my house and I, she goes, you didn't call me. I said, I was good. You set me up really well. I was good. Oh, that's <laughs> so. awesome. That's awesome. So, Corinne, I've just you, you mentioned shame quite a fair bit, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that I'd like to unpack a little bit more. Are you saying that the more vulnerable we are, the less shame we experience? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think that's the less shame that we experience, but the idea is is that when we can be vulnerable, when we can own our stories. And love ourselves, right? So that if you want the antidote for shame, because here's the important thing, Catherine, is that, and I really hope that your listeners can absorb this, is we all have shame. Absolutely. We all have it, yeah. right? So there's nothing to be ashamed of because you feel shame. It's not because you're weak or you're broken or there's something wrong with you. That was my, like to say I was a loser was my way of saying, oh, it was just me and everybody else is so much better, right? Mm. So we all have shame. And the antidote to shame is self-compassion and empathy. Right. And that's why it's so important to be compassionate with ourselves. And it doesn't mean we say, oh, I just ate a whole bag of Doritos and that's okay. Right. Because if, if you are a person who's trying to take care of your health or lose weight, eating that whole bag of chips, and I'm not sure, I can't remember, I have an Australian client, but I can't remember what you call it. Is it chippies? Oh, chips. Um, no, we have chips as well. Okay. It's chips. And you know, is actually not okay because if it's not the result that you want to create, but it's like, oh, okay, I ate a whole bag of Doritos. What was going on that drove me to that action? Mm. You know, what was I thinking? What was, I like to ask the question of what's the promise of that action, right? So the promise was I won't have to feel and, and I'll feel better. Well, did you feel better after you ate it? Well, yes, at first I did. Okay, and then how about an hour later? Well, I was exhausted, so then I wound up having chocolate to give me more energy, Mm. right? And then that night I was beating myself up because I can't believe I didn't honor the commitments with myself. So see how those two actions actually drove to self-hatred. Yeah, I could relate to that big time, what you just said, (laughs) every bit of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we all do, and it's and that's why I was asking because there's le- I think for me there's different levels of shame as well. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. stuff that I still carry that I am I would say it's shame uh, of certain things that I've done, and I have forgiven myself, but I haven't forgotten of the things that I've done. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's you know you know other uh, small bits of shame, but there's they 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 come in different sizes. Oh, absolutely. And there's different arenas, you know, like, especially when I'm talking to men and they'll say, well, I don't have any shame. And I'm, and, and if they're not my client, I just let the conversation die there. But if they are my client, you know, we'll really look at that because 
men typically will have shame with money. Are they, you know, not enough? Are they providing enough money for them or their family? It could be with sex. It could be with status. Like, have they risen a high enough title? Title in their in their in, you know working world, mm. so they can you know have that shame. Are they? Do they believe that they're a good enough athlete? Whatever it may be. Yeah. So there, and there is, and we had not th- thought this, but there's body image shame too for men as well. Yeah, as with yeah, women. yeah, yeah. So depending, some people may not have shame in certain arenas. Like they may be like, "Look, I'm really good at making money. I have no shame in that." But then they may have shame in their sexual performance. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So then, how do you work through that? So if shame is a block, it's an mm-hmm. obstacle. That's stopping you doing because uh, I mean, if you if you're talking about what you just mentioned, that could be a massive block for some people. I mean, how do you work through that? So the antidotes are empathy and, and compassion. Right. And one of the attributes of empathy is perspective taking. So what is your story? Yeah. Right. Like, oh well, this is this is all I can do sexually. Well, anything is learnable. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you can, I mean, if I want to cook, I can learn if I want to, I, I, I don't garden. My husband does, but if I wanted to learn how to garden, I may, I, I may, I may fail. Like I'm really good at killing plants. My daughter was laughing cause I have a dead orchid in my office. <laughs> um, you know, it's not a priority for me. So I was like, Oh, you know, it's just sitting there dead. Um, but if it was something that I really wanted to learn, I would learn and maybe I'd kill about 20 orchids and then eventually I'd have an orchid that would stay alive. Right. So things are learnable. So that perspective taking instead of like we predetermine this is how it is and will always be, which is a very much a fixed mindset, really questioning the stories that we tell ourselves, which are the thoughts. Mm. And, 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 And then the other part is when I say owning your story. So one is what is it that you believe about that circumstance and notice how do you feel? And so often, you know, nobody wants to talk about shame. I mean, thank goodness Brene Brown came around, right? Because she gave us a language that we weren't used to. Yes. And when most often when my clients ask me and they hire me for shame, right? Mm. That's they know this is what I do. And they say, I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm frustrated, you know, and I'm like, okay, so what's, what's the, what's the message that these feelings are telling you? And they say, I'm not enough, right? Mm. I'm like, well, could it be shame? They're like, oh, that's right. It is shame. Like we've so disconnected from shame that we don't even realize it. So it's becoming familiar with the shame. And this is what shame feels like. This is the physical sensation of shame. And how do you act when you feel that way? Mm. We typically do one of three things. And it depends on the different circumstances. We can hide. We can numb. And that can be with food. That can be with spending money. That can be with social media, Netflix, any of those sorts of things, Mm. hiding away in our home. We can approve a whore right? And sell ourselves out. Or we can go gladiator. And that's what you and I've talked a bit about of like how we can beat ourselves up. And that's inner gladiator, or how you can puff up against somebody else. Like you're going to mess with me, bring it on. Mm -hmm. And those are ways that we try to disconnect from shame, except it doesn't give us the results that we want, which is connection, belonging, Mm. right? So that's what we do. So when you can really like take a look at it and look at it on paper and going, wow, I'm getting in my way of the result that I want. And you're doing it from a compassionate place with just kindness and realizing you're not the only one that's experiencing shame or going through this parenting situation like I am. Mm. Right. And um, and then realizing these are the thoughts on the story. So like, for example, what we were talking last night at the party and how to do with our kids 
And I said something and I remember going, oh, this is going to be really vulnerable. I can't even remember what it was I said. It was about, you know, my kids, maybe it was going zero to a hundred or something. And, you know, these are all powerful women and stuff. And, and I was worried about some judgment from them. And, and I just shared my story. And as soon as I shared my story, they were like, oh yeah, that happens to me. That happens to me. There's that common humanity piece. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And, and that helped disintegrate the shame. Plus, I also realized the stories that I'm telling myself and I realized I was attaching to untruths, Mm. right, of being a bad mom or whatever, you know, that can come in, especially on those weak moments. So there was a multitude of things that were going on, but that's why it became so powerful. And instead of indulging in that I'm a bad mom, which doesn't help anybody, it's what's the relationship I want to create with my kids. And even if it's not now, it's like, what is the relationship I want to have with them when they're 25? What is the relationship I want to have with them when they're 35? What are the things that I'm willing, you know, to do to plant those seeds to cultivate that? Mm, I love that. So then the antidote to shame is empathy and compassion. So empathy is really Mm -hmm. about getting into what's your story and your belief system. And compassion is how do you feel and what are your feelings telling you? And compassion is about being kind to yourself. Yeah. Right? Really being kind to yourself and realizing you're not the only one. And then being mindful and paying attention to your thoughts and your feelings, but not attaching to them. Because we have we have 60,000 thoughts in our brain every day. Mm. 59,000 are just the same recycled crap, right? And so we need to pay attention to like, what is this story that we're listening to? So one of the ways that I, I make an example of that is like, I hate horror films. I don't know about you, Catherine, but I don't like them. But in junior high, again, I was trying to fit in. And the cool thing was to watch Nightmare on Elm Street and you yeah, know, Carrie's yeah. Diet, whatever, all these scary things. And so I would watch them. I hate them. I scream at like shows like Hawaii Five-0. Yeah. So I don't go to horror films. But how many of us are playing horror films in our brains and listening to those stories over and over and watching them mm. over and over? But we wouldn't go to a movie theater and pay money for that, but we live it inside of our brains. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. So, Corinne, I love to ask a woman of inspiration about pain points because we believe that, you know, everyone's got some pain points. Um, do you have any pain points in your life or in business that you stumble over? Belonging. Oh, okay. Yeah. Belonging. Yeah. So, and that, and that's, that's always my work to do. That's why I create the environments I create. You know, Martha Beck will say that, uh, it's whatever your hell and back is, right? Mm. That gives you meaning and purpose. And so, and um, that's my big thing. And that's why I've created what I've created because yeah. that was such the hole in my life. Mm. So do you think that's one of the reasons uh, individuals fail to succeed in business in general, do you think? One of the reasons, I'm sorry? One of the reasons that um, individuals fail to succeed in business, it's, it's all got to do around belonging. That's a really good question. I've never thought of that. Because, mm. I, I mean, I just think that just from what you've been speaking about, it's, it's so, it sounds like we're always trying to, you know, sell ourselves short. We're always trying to, uh, you know, get approval. Um, it's all about that connection belonging piece. And I wonder if that can be sometimes a driver that makes us behave completely the opposite of what we want. Well, I definitely like when we're in that, when I was in that approval whoring space, right? So I Mm. was, I was like willing to do whatever to fit in, which is very different than belonging. Mm. And 
So that could be in that what you were talking about earlier with the idea of, well, I want this, I want that, I need to buy this bigger house, I need to prove, you know, who I am. Um, and then that can be self sabotaging because mm. at some point you just you it's not I always say it's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because quite often I find that when I'm working with some uh, either, you know, entrepreneurs or um, individuals in business, quite often they're always comparing themselves to somebody else um, mm-hmm. and they're not being authentic and really shining through who their personality is. And they're trying to be some somebody else. Do you find that happens quite a fair bit? Yes, comparison is the thief of happiness. Yeah. And it's and it's rooted in shame. So we just don't I mean, you know, I'm not saying again, none of the stuff that I do perfectly, there's arenas that can be more of a trigger for me, but the more and more I practice it and the more and more I live it, mm-hmm. the less I'm willing to go there because when you when you compare, it's really easy to despair. Yeah. That's a good quote. It, there and just there. If you compare, easy to despair. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and so if you do that in business and be like, oh, I mean, this happens all the time. This just happened the other day with somebody. It was one of my weight loss clients and she was comparing a friend of hers journey and she's creating all these stories and then beating herself up about her own journey. Mm. And I was like, oh, you have to stop that. And then I had another, I had a parent on my team who um, I was saying, hey, it'd be great if your kids could do swim meets this summer because I believe that swim meets are a great opportunity to create belonging and connection, right? Mm. We've got this amazing community. Like, I don't care about this. Well, you know, I only want the kids to swim fast so they can blow their own mind about what's possible. Yeah. But, but that's not my intent. It's about how can you get connected and get more dialed in because that's where the beauty is. And she's like, well, I just don't know. And we're not like, because they have this other friend. And, you know, she, her whole friend, all her friends are swimmers. And my son, his friends aren't swimmers. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You're seeing the end of her story, right? Or the yeah. most recent chapter. You're not seeing the first three years when they would go to one meet. Mm-hmm. And then the tipping point that happened. And I think that's what we have to be careful of. Because whether it's a swim meet, weight loss, people with their own business, entrepreneurs, somebody's courage or trajectory, it's so easy to compare where they are now to where you may be starting mm-hmm. or where you're at without knowing the backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so none of that is helpful because especially if it gets you into this self-hatred or shameful state, it's not helpful. In my show, I talk about um, this being the windows of possibility. So if this is possible for them, what is possible for you? So if Mm -hmm. it can be inspirational, then it's a different case. But if it's, if it's demoralizing, then you need to get out of that story. Mm, Love that. Mm, Really getting into what is your story. Mm -hmm. So, as we wrap up the show, Corinne, we always love to ask a woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say authentic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just am who I am, you know, in all areas of my life. Um, and I, and the, the thing that I've done so much better as a 45-year-old woman is I just own it all. Mm. I had had a client once say to me, she's like, well, I love this part of him. I love the best parts of him. I'm like, can you love all of him? Mm. And and I think the more that we can just love all of ourselves and, you know, even the messy parts, like that's okay. Love all of ourselves. And so for the most part, like I'm authentic. This is who I am. Um, and I, and I, I will say that I have strengths and I have flaws. Mm. 
Oh, we all have flaws. I think that for me, the way that I do it too is I have a bit of fun. I have a bit of a laugh at it to make it light rather than, um, you know, weigh it down by, you know, being quite judgmental. So we all have flaws. We all have flaws, absolutely. Mm. The other thing that, oh, it is absolutely, it is. I I mean, no one's perfect, definitely not. Um, Well, if you think about we are enough, you could say that we are perfect just the way that we are. Yes, but my training is so um, so dialed into that perfection is the birthplace of shame that I've actually tried to eliminate that because you know, like I was told throughout my life, I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect, Mm. and if that's the birthplace of shame, it's like. And again, if you know, if over the next decade or so or some generations, that word can mean something differently. Yes. Where the, it isn't attached to shame, mm. right? But like I think for me, growing up in the time period I did, there was that, see, you're not doing it perfectly. There's mm. something wrong with you. You're bad because that's what shame means. You're bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. The other thing that we do as we wrap up the show, Corinne, is we ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Three shiny golden nuggets. You get to choose what you believe. Mm. Yep. Become your own best friend. And that's that goes back to that whole self-compassion piece. Mm. And remember, you are enough right now where you are. Mm. I love become your own best friend. That's um that to me there's that that's almost a lot of that inner child work. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. love those three. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, where's the best place to find you? They can go to my website at howshereallydoesit.com. Yeah. And I'm there or on Instagram, it's Karen Modicitis, which would probably be easier to go to howshereallydoesit.com to then figure out how to spell my name because I did not marry an easy name with Modicitis. <laughs> I know I had to practice it a couple of times before we got on the show to make sure that I pronounce it right. But for our listeners, please check her out. Corinne is amazing how she really does it. It's an awesome podcast. I've been listening to her for years and she has been doing it for years. How long have you been doing it for? Since 2006. So yeah. it will be what, 12 years this October. Yeah, you've been, you're have been. like the original podcaster. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Yes, I've been doing a long time. You have. Look, Corinne, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Like I said, I was really excited when I saw that you were coming on the show. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and um, I just love your energy. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook 
at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.